0: to the Faith Words Podcast. I'm Laney Brown. And I'm Katie Norris. And today we're talking with Adam Dressler of This Is How We Pray. He is a lead pastor of Grace Community Church in Clarksville, Tennessee, and it was recently named as one of the 100 fastest growing churches in America by Outreach Magazine. Adam, thanks for being with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So in your book, This Is How We Pray, you start off by
2: saying that prayer is often sometimes discouraging. I mean, I know I have my own feelings about that, but how do you, how so?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, a great point. And I think that's where I wanted to start with this book is that uh, many times I think we put prayer on a pedestal and we think that prayer is supposed to be this great experience. And, and if it's not this amazing experience that is filled with all this euphoria, then somehow we're failing at it. And when you read the Bible, you certainly see that there are probably more accounts of people who really struggle through prayer. And then certainly that's been my own experience on my own life as well, that uh, prayer for me often is really difficult and really challenging to fit into my own schedule, but also just to get my heart to a place where I feel like it's even meaningful at all. So I wrote this book for people who uh, aren't really good at prayer, which in probably my opinion is most of us.
2: I kind of equate prayer as like coloring in a coloring book. A lot of people like color inside the lines and, you know, you're supposed to do it perfectly or you're supposed to make the trees green and the sky blue. I'm not a prayer person like that. I pray the way I feel and how I feel. It may be short. It may be quick. It may be fast. It may be long, just depending upon how. And you never really hear about people praying differently. You you know, you always feel like, you know, you should be like some type of like monk and you should be like, you know chanting and doing what have you while you're praying so this is a really good book so that people know that they're not there's no such thing as a wrong prayer
1: that's so great and and i think really true and there really isn't anything uh like a wrong prayer because as long as we're talking with god and as long as we're trying to connect with what we know to be spiritual and even in the best way possible even for people who might not be able to name jesus yet i think god inhabits those things and i think he says hey you're actually reaching for me whether you realize that or not and so to, to try to minimize prayer into a formula or to try to take the mystery out of it. I just don't know if that's always helpful. I, I know for me, if prayer is foundationally a relationship between God... I, I don't talk to my wife in a formula. I, I don't talk to my kids in a formula. I, I don't walk in and say, here's the six things I need to make sure that we cover. And you feel loved, great, I feel loved, let's move on. It, there's play there and there's opportunity for us to experience one another and mystery and having that unfold. And prayer in many ways is the same way. So I, I couldn't agree more, you know, to pray where you're feeling and to pray where you already find yourself. I think it's probably one of the most meaningful things that I hope people take uh, from this book
0: that's great because that leads into the next question which you kind of answered already but what are some practical ways that we can pray every day Um, and you talk about too um, in your book that oftentimes we live very busy lives you're a dad of four you are pastoring a big church you've got a lot of responsibility Um, and so just how do you find the time in between everything to pray and does it have to be perfect what does that look like for you
1: yeah. I, I, in many ways, I'm still trying to figure that out uh, because I, I'm, I've never been a dad of Ford at a church of this size and been at the age that I am. And, and so some of this is unfolding for me, too. But I think that some of the things that I've leaned on in the past kind of falls around these two things. Like, one, that there has to be certain times that you carve out for prayer. And that may be 30 seconds, that may be five minutes in certain seasons. Maybe that's longer, depending upon where your own personality is and, and what your schedule is looking like. But there has to be some intentionally around that. And we see that even with Jesus, where he says, hey, I've been really busy, but that's not an excuse. I've got to go pray. But then there are other times when Jesus finds himself just doing life. And he might be at a wedding. Or he'll be hanging out with friends or he'll be on a journey somewhere. And someone will come up and he starts talking to the Father on their behalf. And so... Uh, There's real spontaneity to be had in prayer. And one of the things that I know I'm trying to work on in my own heart is to not get too caught up in uh, if I don't feel like I'm being intentional enough or not get too caught up. in if I don't feel like I'm uh, being uh, spontaneous enough, I I tend to think of it this way. Um, When my kids, one of my kids comes up and gives me a hug, like there's never a time when I say, oh, that wasn't long enough. That didn't count. You know, like I'm always grateful to even get just a, a small glimpse from them or a small nudge in my direction from them. And I really feel like God is the same way. You know, God is so adamant about telling us that he's a father and, and it's not a complete and perfect one to one with you know our earthly fathers. But certainly any th- impulse that we get in, in our own sense of being parents, I think, comes from a heavenly parent. And I know for me, I, I'm never not open to receiving things from my kids. And so when I try to talk with God, it's the same way. If it's five minutes in the shower, if it's 30 seconds in traffic, if it's a half an hour in the morning before everyone's up, which is rare for me, but, or, or if it's you know late at night, I, I know that God is always there and wanting to hear from me. And so the trick in my own heart is to say, all right, how can I not have to have this situation around me be perfect? How can I even not have to have my own feelings be perfectly suited for prayer? I just need to go to him and talk to him and realize that he is pleased even when I uh, make small glances in his direction.
0: I love that um, and how there's different seasons in your life and you're building prayer within that based on where you're at. Um, One thing that you mentioned along those lines is that um, you don't go into a dark closet and shut the door and get on your knees and pray. Or maybe you do at times, but that isn't your prayer habit. And you talked about C.S. Lewis, who loved to pray on a train because it allowed him just enough focus, um, stimulation around him to where he wasn't bored or tired, but he was stimulated by his environment and he was able to focus on God in his prayer. Um, do you have a place like that for you?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question, too. And uh, in many ways, I do. For me, it's my truck. Uh, Mostly because I'm in my truck alone and and my four kiddos aren't with me. And so that, that becomes kind of this sealed environment where there's no distractions. And it takes some discipline in my own heart to turn my phone off, you know, to turn the music off. Uh, but, but I try to be pretty mindful of that where I'll, I'll turn everything kind of down. And even if I'm just you know, driving 10 minutes home from work, to use that time to be silent and to be still and to connect with God. And there are other times, too, where I'll uh, just go for a drive. Um, I used to live in Cincinnati and there's a a beltway that goes around the city that took about two and a half hours to get around. And there would be times at night where once the kids were in bed or, uh, even, you know, if not, I would say, I just feel like I got to go for a drive. And I would just drive that loop and it gave me a solid two or two and a half hours to talk with Jesus. And there was enough distraction to keep me awake and enough distraction to keep my heart kind of engaged, but not so much that I couldn't also be mindful of what I was trying to do, which was to talk to God. But Yeah, those are the ways I I try to find that, mostly in my truck. But honestly, too, um, when I can manage it, if I can get into bed before I'm exhausted and I can just lay there and, and I can take 10 or 15 minutes to review my day and ask God, hey, is there anything you want me to be aware of from this day? Is there anything that I need to be mindful of? Those are actually really meaningful things, too, because then I feel like I can slip off into sleep. And many times I'll even fall asleep while I'm praying. Uh, but what, what a great way to, to fall into sleep, knowing that I've just been talking with God. And you even get some glimpses of that in the Psalms, you know, where David says, I, I fell asleep thinking about you. And then I woke up and realized you're still here. Well, that's so great. Right. And, and you certainly don't get the sense that he's, oh, God, I'm so sorry I fell asleep. He just is doing his life and inviting God to be a part of that, which is certainly uh, something I'm tr- striving for, too.
2: It's kind of funny with the success of the movie War Room. I know a lot of people who like ripped out their clothes out of their closets, started, you know, putting pictures on the walls. And then they got in there and they were like, uh, this doesn't quite feel like I wanted it to feel. This didn't quite feel like the movie. But, you know, and they had to figure out what works for them. And you have to figure out what works for you because everything there's no perfect fit. So with that being said, um, how has prayer changed your life or the life of somebody close to you? What are things you know? Examples?
1: Yeah, the one that probably comes to mind most clearly, and maybe the one that I care the most about. Uh, I was raised in uh, a home uh, by uh, with a mom who took us to church and, and had a real genuine relationship with Jesus. And at the time, growing up, my dad didn't. He was never against church and never against God or anything, but he he just really didn't have anything to um, to seek in religion and about high school or so my freshman year of high school is when I first started to really say okay God I'm in I want to follow you whatever you have for my life I'm willing to do no matter what and of course I began to pray for my dad like a lot and many times those prayers became lectures you know and became uh, this desperate attempt to see my dad come to experience what I was experiencing which was this great new life with Jesus and like no progress happened and in fact, he, he seemed to want less and less to do with God. And so I remember after, literally after about 10 years of this, I said, you know, I just, I got to stop. Like, I, I, God, you know, this is in your hands. I can't be responsible for this. And so I, quite honestly, I even stopped praying in some ways, you know, and certainly when I thought of him, I would pray for him and care for him, but I wouldn't actively try to say, God, would you please be a part of my dad's life and save him? I would just say, God, I trust you with him. And sure enough, um, 10 or 15 years later, I can say that he genuinely knows Jesus now, and, and he cares about God, and he is walking with him in, in really meaningful ways. Now, I, I know that I had very little, if anything, to do with that, but prayer for me became this kind of great witness. Uh, you know, there's that great line in the hymn, I raise my Ebenezer, you know, this sense of I'm marking this as a, as a thing that reminds me of God. Uh, when I look back at all of those prayers I prayed for my dad, I think, who knows, Maybe God was, you know, just faithfully allowing that seed to be put into the ground. And then thankfully, 15, 20 years later, I got to see it grow into something. So that really encourages me because now when I'm praying for things and I'm tempted to get discouraged or I think nothing's happening or I think, man, this is taking far too long. Or like the cry that comes into the scripture so many times, God, you've forgotten about me. Where are you? Uh, I can look at my dad, you know, this flesh and blood example in front of me and say, God, you really do answer prayers. It just may take a lot longer than what I'm expecting or even hoping for. And so, who knows? In 10 or 15 years, I don't know what my life is going to look like. And yet, I think back to what I'm praying now, and it's exciting to to consider that God might be doing the same thing, faithfully kind of growing things behind the scenes.
0: So, I mean, you touched upon this just talking about praying for your dad, but even in our everyday prayer lives, God doesn't always feel close. Um, we can be walking you know in a relationship with him and not feel him present and you talk about how prayer you know you don't always um it's not like you're sitting down with a cup of coffee and a friend who you're talking to and they're tangible and they're right there but there are times that he shows up um what about the times though when he doesn't can you tell us a little bit about um how people can maybe find encouragement if they're feeling like this is a season where he's really far removed from them
1: Yeah, and and certainly I think I'm probably in good company when I say that's the majority of my experiences with prayer. I know that there are people who would say, I I sense God every morning or I just hear him all the time. And I I don't ever want to say that's not possible. I do get suspicious when I hear those kinds of things. You know, because one of the amazing things about the Bible is we have these like thousands of years condensed in these relatively few pages. And you read about, you know, someone like David or Abraham or even Paul. And and you think, okay, his life was just one experience after another of receiving from God. But, you know, Paul was active in ministry for decades, you know, for at least 20 years that we know of. And we only get a very small sliver of what he experienced. you got to think that there were many times, if not years, spent where he was trying to hear and experience God uh, and he just didn't and so I can take a lot of, of hope in that I know for me personally uh, when I feel discouraged I, I remember um, hearing a sermon when I was in college and uh, the pastor preached on the passage in Isaiah where it says surely you're a God who hides himself from us and that was almost like sacrilegious to me I'd come through a couple of different circles of, of Christian influence that was you know if, if you're not experiencing God it's your fault you know, it's because you have put something between you and God, and so you better root that out and give away all your secular music and stop going to see those PG-13 movies because that's what's keeping you from God. And as I got older and hopefully in a, in a more mature understanding of God, I realized, no, you know, there are some times when God uh, actively restrains an experience of his presence and and he has his reasons and i don't know why i I have some ideas but i don't actually know why and my role in this whole thing is to continue to faithfully trust him and follow him Uh, c.s lewis has this great line in the screw tape letters where uh this kind of senior devil is teaching this younger devil how to tempt you know this unnamed british man and he says hey we are never more in danger of losing ground to god when our man meaning the guy they're trying to tempt sees and hears and experiences nothing of the goodness of God, and yet still continues to seek him and obey him. So I, I think that's really true. Uh, there's a forming process that happens when God's absent. Now, of course, I wish it were different. I really do, but uh, he's not left that up to me to decide. And and I will say this too, that there there is just enough, you know, there there are there are the handful of experiences that I have in my life where I have heard him, where I have experienced his goodness in unexplainable ways that, that uh, I can't leave. And I think God is faithful to give us those, but certainly uh, my overwhelming experience is one of saying, God, where are you? This room feels really empty.
2: So we've gone through all of this and we know that there's a lot of different people out there who are looking to figure out how to pray and want to make sure that they are praying right, even though there is no such thing as praying right. So who is this book for?
1: Yeah, I I wrote this book, you know, certainly to explore my own heart. And I'm trying to figure out what it means to become better at prayer. And so in many ways, this book is, uh, it's a confessional. It's also aspirational. You know, I, I, I hope to be able to do these things well, too. But a lot of what this book came out of was just my own experience as a pastor Uh, You know, my particular background, I'd spent some time in college and and in some academic environments. And I realized that the questions that most of uh, the people that I was spending time with were asking really had little to do with experiencing God. It was more about trying to understand him and even dissect him a little bit and kind of frame a theology. But then one of the great beauties of pastoral work is many people in a good way, like they don't care about that at all they just want to know how they're going to get through their day. They just want to know, uh, what am I going to do with my kids? They're driving me crazy, or I'm really scared. Or they want to know, my mom is aging, and should we put her in a nursing home? Or uh, how do I deal with this recent diagnosis? You know, there's all these real life things where theology and doctrine certainly are important, but whether right or wrong, they take such a far back seat. And it becomes this situation of, if God is real, he has to be real enough that he can encounter me right where I'm at. And so this book is really written for anyone who's saying, I I want to experience more of God wherever I am. And that was probably central to why I wrote this book and certainly central to the way that I see my own personal faith is that I really don't have much of a use for a religion that stays tidy. I don't have much of a use for a religion or an experience with God that stays um, completely knowable. I know that that I need something greater to intersect with my daily life. And prayer is one of these great things that travels with us through all of uh, the things that we experience. So I would say this book is for anyone who feels like they're not good at prayer and wants to be better, uh, which is probably most of us.
2: The more you use it, the better you become
0: very grace-filled too it takes away the shame that so oftentimes we place upon ourselves or let even the church place upon us when it comes to prayer um well in your book you give some very practical tips about how we can really um approach prayer and i don't want to give all of it away this is a great resource um and it's coming out in march but can you just tell us a couple of the tips from the back, maybe a few of your favorite points?
1: For sure. Uh, the first thing I say when we're trying to think about prayer in a practical way is that it's really important to talk to Jesus like a friend. And that's one of the, the main points of this book as well, is that prayer is ultimately a friendship with God. And I, I see this even with my own kids now, that when we say, hey, let's pray for dinner, let's pray for someone, like their voice changes, and, and they feel like they have to become a little bit more formal, and they start kind of groping for words. And, and I don't know if they're trying to impress me or sound older, or they feel like God's going to get... I mean, it's probably a combination of all those things, but I always try to press on them. Hey, you can talk to God just like you're talking to me. I remember when I was talking to uh, our daughter, who's eight now, but she was like two or three. And we were praying at night, and I said, Jesus, thank you for, for being here with us and caring about us. And her eyes get really wide, and she says, Jesus is here? And I say, Yeah. And she goes, like, in my room? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, I want to see him. And I was like, me too, babe. And so she like was like looking around, trying to figure out where this God was. And, of course, that innocence and that wonder is exactly what I think God is after in prayer. And the second we try to formalize religion and make it something that uh, we have to pretend to be something that we're not and use language and tone and words and phrases that we don't normally use, I, I don't know if that's ultimately helpful, uh, and I think God is, is probably in many ways, uh, certainly he tolerates that in, in his graciousness, but I think he's probably saying, um, you don't have to talk like that, get to, get to the point. Yeah. I'm right here. You know, like I, I don't, I don't need you to put on anything differently than who you really are. Cause I have intimate knowledge of who you are, more intimate knowledge of who you are than even you do. And so, uh, you can really just talk to me like a friend. I think that's really important. I think maybe another really important thing to pay attention to is, uh, which we've already identified a little bit, but just pray what's in your heart. I think many of us probably go into prayer feeling like we're responsible for things, and we've been taught certain ways to pray. And so we think, okay, I I can't ask for anything until I say thanks. Uh, Again, going back to my kids, my kids ask for stuff all the time without saying thanks. And there's some certain character things that need to be formed in them, but ultimately if they stop asking for things from me, that's when I'll probably start to get a little worried because it's like, oh, you don't trust me. Or, oh, you feel like you have to pretend. or and, and so I feel like we just go to God with everything that we are, and he knows who we are, and he can kind of sort all that out. And then I would maybe say the last thing, too, that's really practical. I think most of us are probably trained, whether we realize it or not, to think that prayer is primarily about speaking to God. And it certainly is. But if we're really saying that the God of the universe is interested in us personally and that he has things that he wants to form us towards and to say to us, well, then prayer certainly should include at least in a small measure, a time of listening. You know, just like we're doing right now. Like there's times when I talk and you're being gracious and nodding your head and listening, and there are times when you talk and I'm being gracious and nodding my head and listening. There's there's a natural give and take and a rhythm that comes when you're spending time with someone. And I don't know what happened to Christians where we kind of felt like that wasn't important, but uh, listening to God is every bit as important as speaking to Him. And I hope that... Uh, people that would read this book might come away with a fresh awareness of saying, all right, God, even if I just sit here for five minutes and just try to be quiet and listen, and I don't even really feel like anything spiritual is happening, but we can be confident that God is pleased in that small act of us kind of bending our ear towards him.
0: Well, you can find out more about the book at this is how we And I'm going to let Adam tell you a little bit about his church so that if you are in the Nashville area and you're church hunting, you can check check out the church website, but you can also stop by and visit on a Sunday.
1: Yeah, we have just such a great church, quite honestly, and and hopefully a lot of pastors get the opportunity of saying that, but our church is really special, and they've been very, um, very gracious towards me and my family. You know, I'm relatively young, at at this whole thing and learning every day and thankfully it's been a really uh, kind and loving place where they are bearing with me as I learn so uh, it's a great church it's Grace Community Church it's in Clarksville Tennessee our our website is graceclarksville.com we have all kinds of things on there that you can peek in and see who we are and learn a little bit more about what we do but uh, yeah if you're in the area I'd love for you guys to come stop by and make sure you, you grab me after a service and shake my hand I'd love to meet you
0: thank you for stopping by thank you